0: We're going to start today's conversation with a half an hour to 45-minute discussion with Slava Rubin, founder at Indiegogo.com. Slava, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So uh, you all know about Indiegogo. Let us us ask Slava a little bit about Indiegogo from his perspective. So, Slava, what – what prompted you to start Indiegogo? What has been the journey? Tell us a little bit about how you got going, why you got going, and, and where are you now?
1: Sure, so uh, we actually launched in 2008 as well. So uh, I guess we're as old as 1 million by 1 million. And uh, we came up with the idea in 2006, in the fall of 2006. And the whole concept was the Internet was democratizing access to lots of things options with ebay and content with youtube but access to capital was still all about the gatekeeper the vc the banker the grand institution knowing the right person and we just thought that the internet could democratize everything so why not try to democratize capital so we created a marketplace where people who had ideas just uh showed them off and if people wanted to fund them they could uh we started in january 2008 and uh now we've Funded well over a, a billion and a half dollars around the world. We send money to <clears throat> uh, dozens of countries every single week, and we have funded hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs. So we're very excited about the impact, and we're continuing to evolve and support entrepreneurs as we empower them to do great things.
0: That's wonderful. Let's talk a, about a few of the nuances of how entrepreneurs. Uh, can work with your platform. Now, one area where we constantly send entrepreneurs to your platform is where we have entrepreneurs with physical products who can potentially start a crowdfunding campaign, take advance order for the products, and uh, get themselves going. Uh, it seems like this has become a sweet spot of uh, Equity of uh, actually crowdfunding platforms. Can you talk to this um, trend?
1: Yeah, so uh, crowdfunding a decade ago was very broad, and uh, we've in the last several years really focused on entrepreneurs. Excuse me. Entrepreneurs, as part of the process, often have tangible goods or something that uh, they're looking to create and offer. Uh, we've become the go-to place in the world for funding for these entrepreneurs as they look to validate their ideas, and then we support them throughout the entire process uh, as they look to manufacture it and then sell it. So absolutely, I mean, uh, some companies are raising $25,000 for a small gadget. Others are hundreds of thousands of dollars for some robot millions of dollars for some sort of drone company. And then our companies have gone on to receive nearly $2 billion of institutional or investment capital from third parties. So there are some really great companies. One of them even went to sell for over $300 million uh, after launching on Indiegogo, launching their business. So absolutely, I would agree with you. The idea of Indiegogo being the sweet spot for entrepreneurs, especially especially for uh, entrepreneurs looking to create a business with tangible products.
0: So let's um, pursue a few different things that you said in that. First and foremost, tell us about the company that raised money on um, Indiegogo and went on to sell for $300 million. What was the trajectory of this company?
1: Yeah, so uh, they started on Indiegogo, uh, I can't remember exactly what year, but probably 2012. Uh, something called Misfit. Misfit is an activity tracker company. Uh, they raised just under a million dollars on Indiegogo. Then they uh, went to uh, have successful uh, VC money. They even went and I think raised about $50 million from Xiaomi. Um, I mean, they were doing incredible things for four or five years and continued to have uh, doors open and options available to them until the The founder, Sunny Vu, uh, decided to sell to Fossil, the watch company, and I believe they sold for uh, just over $300 million.
0: So, um, you know, our community, obviously, by the nature of the beast, is full of early-stage entrepreneurs who are, uh, you know, trying to get going uh, maybe the first – prototypes going, the first order going, and so forth. And, in fact, we have a company right now that is planning to start a, um, a campaign, crowdfunding campaign, and they're a, a pain-addressing uh, device using laser technology. And, um, of course, in the process of working with Indiegogo, they have been um, advised to create a mailing list, um, an email list to which they can launch the, with which they can launch the campaign. So, so um, basically, the point that I would like to like you to elaborate on a little bit is: what do you advise these very early stage entrepreneurs, far from a million dollars? We are talking about you know companies that that are just trying to get their first crowdfunding campaign going on Indiegogo. What do you advise them to put together? to be successful on your platform?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, we've had uh, hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs that have been successful, and I would simplify it down to a few main things. One, you want to have a good pitch. Two, you want to be proactive. And three, you want to find an audience that cares. So having a good pitch, you want to make sure that it's clear what your message is, what you're offering, what you're trying to get funded. Um, you need to make sure that the perks are clear, what prices they are, what people can get, what are the discounts versus future retail prices. Uh, having a video is always important. It should be short and also to the point. Uh, the copy is super critical, but it shouldn't be endless words, often pictures and other illustrations are very valuable to break up the content. Uh, and it should be catchy. So. Um, you know, people don't have a lot of time to decide if they understand something, so it needs to be very clear what it is that you're raising money for and what is the business or product that you're trying to create. So that's number one, that's have a good pitch. Number two is you want to be proactive. It's important to uh, really reach out and uh, keep the uh, the marketing going. You can't just create a campaign, sit on your hands, and hope that money will come to you. You need to uh, – You know, get off to a fast start, for example, if you raise 25% of your target funds within the first week, you're five times more likely to hit your full target, um, because that starts to create momentum. Similarly, you'll want to often have an email program where uh, you don't just email once, but rather sometimes people say it takes seven contacts before somebody will donate or invest in you. So don't give up just because you've sent one email and the people didn't respond. They could have been on vacation, they could have had it in spam, they might not have uh, even read it, or they put it aside for later and forgot about it. Uh, It's important to use all the various channels to contact people, because different people like to be contacted in different methods. Some folks like to read email, others are checking Twitter, others like in-person events. Others like having conversations on the phone or coffee chats. Obviously, the more intimate the discussion, the higher potential for a bigger dollar value, but also uh, the greater risk of, uh, you know, spending a lot of time that doesn't convert. So it's important to, you know, build your email list, build your contacts. And then, um, you know, the third thing, which is find an audience that cares Uh, Everybody wants the world to just come and fund their ideas, but it's very hard uh, for random strangers to fund your idea. What often has to happen is I consider it a third, a third, a third. The first third of your goal often has to come from people that know you and trust you, because no one else will trust you uh, first except for the people that know you. For example, your mom, your dad, your family, your friends, your customers, your neighbors, Uh, the people that you regularly work with. Now, if these people aren't willing to fund you, it's going to be very hard to have strangers fund you. So it's very critical to uh, get that snowball rolling, and the beginning of that snowball always starts with people that you know. I call that the inner circle. That's the first third. The second third is often people that they know. Uh, So maybe you personally are not connected to them, but the people that really trust you know these people, and they bring the second third. And on average, the third-third is random strangers that you'll get through Indiegogo. Sometimes mm-hmm. the split is not exactly a third, a third, a third. It could be more from your friends and family, or sometimes can be even 90% from Indiegogo. Um, but that's the generic split across the 10 years of experiences. You need to get that snowball momentum going, uh, which is having the people that know you fund first, and then Indiegogo can help multiply and amplify that reach to get you much more funding.
0: So, um, Slava, what other types of entrepreneurs, besides the ones with physical products who are doing their early, um, you know, prototyping, using in uh, Indiegogo, what other types of entrepreneurs are finding success through your platform?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say the sweet spot is tech, gadgets, hardware, interesting new innovative things that are maybe two years ahead of the curve. Uh, that said, we are an open platform, and we do have many small businesses that have been funded, whether it's a T-shirt shop or a donut shop or somebody that's making uh, a new electric motorcycle or somebody that's making a uh, interesting new sports drink or uh, some sort of gluten-free bread. Um, they're all finding uh, success as well. I, w- I would include that in the small business market. Um, the things that don't work as well are things that are service-oriented. So if you're trying to uh, offer uh, accounting services, that's not exactly the uh, the number one thing for Indiegogo audience.
0: And um, talk to us about equity crowdfunding. You have started offering equity crowdfunding, and actually you may also want to give us a little bit of the historical context of how the regulation on equity crowdfunding has changed and, and how, what, how has, has that impacted you and, and what are the nuances for companies trying to raise equity crowdfunding on your platform?
1: Sure. So when we originally launched in 2008, we wanted to be able to offer financial investments. So the people that back the ideas would be able to get financial return we right away learned about the issues from a regulatory perspective uh, with the Securities Act in 1933 and other uh, rules called blue sky laws, et cetera. So we went around the investment approach using this PERCS model where people just donate or contribute or pre order uh, ideas. Uh, we then moved forward and were able to petition Congress in 2012 and get something called the Jobs Act passed. And as part of the Jobs Act in 2012, under President Obama, um One of the regulations of the six regulations was something called equity crowdfunding, so we were able to have implemented the ability for anybody, even if they're not an accredited investor, uh, meaning over $250,000 of net worth, sorry, over $250,000 of salary or a million dollars of net worth, anybody would be able to invest in these ideas that were available through these equity f- crowdfunding portals. It took four years. From 2012 to 2016, for FINRA and the FCC two regulatory bodies that uh, had to get signed off to finally move forward, and in 2016, equity crowdfunding uh, went live in America as a concept. Now to put this in perspective, uh, not since 1933 have common people, the 99%, been able to invest in things. Uh, uh, without having to be an IPO through the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ, et cetera. So now everybody had the opportunity to invest in these ideas. Uh, We have since, in 2016, launched our equity crowdfunding uh, portal and have supported dozens of companies uh, raising financial investment from uh, tens of thousands of investors. Um, The average uh, raise is about a quarter million dollars, if not a little bit more. Um, and it can be as high so far as I think we've done like 1.8 million, uh, of investment capital. And this, uh, is more strict of a diligence process because it's regulated, uh, by the SEC. Um, but people can apply, um, at equity.indiegogo.com. If anybody has any questions, they can always really just send me an email. I'm Slava, my first name at Indiegogo.com. And, uh, we post different offerings and people invest. Since then, the investors, some of them, have already been receiving their dividends uh, as part of rev shares, and some of them have even uh, seen up rounds of investment for their uh, companies. So it's really exciting. I think it's very early days in equity crowdfunding. We're just about two years into the industry. Uh, The U.K. is several years ahead of us uh, with the regulations, as well as their regulations are quite a bit looser. Um, For example, they allow for up to $10 million being raised per company, and right now in the U.S., the regulation is actually a million-dollar cap. But uh, if anybody has any questions, they can just check it out online or reach out to me, and uh, we're super excited about it.
0: So um, let's double-click down on that one a little bit as well on two fronts. One uh, straightforward question is, is the sweet spot of your equity crowdfunding also the same sweet spot? Is it the – physical products kind of businesses?
1: It's a great question. No, not at all. It's totally different. So uh, physical product companies um, are fine and do well with equity crowdfunding, but because the investors are not looking always for a tangible good with equity crowdfunding, they're looking for a financial return, there's a lot more Mm -hmm. flexibility uh, to the types of companies. So actually we have had Internet companies, software companies, uh, marketplaces, movies, uh, video games, hardware, um, pizza shops, coffee shops, all kinds of uh, hospitality, media, uh, all kinds of different uh, companies raise money through equity crowdfunding.
0: Great. Now, um, I've had some conversations with your colleague who runs that business, obviously. Um, what I gathered from him is that uh, you are looking for a regular equity investor, whether it's an angel or a VC, to almost like do the due diligence first before you like to come in. Could you elaborate on what is your due diligence process? How do you, uh, how do you validate that this is a, an equity crowdfunding deal that we want to put on the Indiegogo platform?
1: Uh, great question. Not exactly right. Um, we'll do our own due diligence and list the deal. Uh, Sometimes the deal does have other VCs or other investors want to lead the deal first and then they post it uh, with Indiegogo. Uh, That always has positive signal because um, then other VCs have already positioned in and investors like to see that, Uh, but we are completely comfortable uh, posting deals without other VCs involved. It's just that they have to get through our diligence process, and approximately two percent of the companies get through our diligence process. Um, it's, you know, uh, a regulated experience, so we're not able to put up all the deals, um, but it is uh, fairly rigorous diligence.
0: Could you give us some examples of companies, types of companies, types of businesses that have uh, had success with equity crowdfunding on your platform?
1: Yeah, sure. If you just go to uh, equity.indiegogo.com, um, anybody can see all the. Gustavo, um, uh,
0: can you please can you tell do a little bit of storytelling and and I have specific questions on on you know how this works. So don't direct people to indiegogo.com at every step. That doesn't um, make for a good interview.
1: Right, but I'm just trying. what, what are you looking for?
0: I'm looking for some view into how you think about things. Like, okay, for example, geography. Is there a geographical bias? Is it U.S. only or a part of U.S. only? What What is the geographical bias of this? In, in yeah,
1: South so for Sure. So uh, from the regulations, it's U.S. only. We work with international companies, but they would have to have a U.S. entity uh, mm-hmm. in regards to – geographic bias across the U.S., there's no bias whatsoever. Uh, We have companies from all around uh, the U.S., which is actually one of the beauties of equity crowdfunding. Uh, And in terms of type companies, uh, like I mentioned, it's really anything. We have 3-D printed uh, arms uh, as prosthetics. We have uh, upcycled uh, grains from beer making to turn it into a power bar. We have coffee companies, we have TV companies, we have movies, we have DNA sequencing companies, we have uh, mobile marketing for photo and video, we have uh, the Three Stooges as part of a a film, uh, distilleries, wineries.
0: Would it be fair to say it's more B2C than B2B?
1: Absolutely. Yep, it is fair to say that. It's not required, but um, definitely the crowd needs to be interested in it. Um, Mm -hmm. They're not often getting the product. They're getting an investment. But in general, uh, it is more B2C, yes.
0: And Stage, if you look at um, across your deal flow, across the ones that you have chosen to go with, um, what – do you look for in terms of validation in these companies before they can qualify for an equity crowdfunding campaign?
1: High level, we're looking at team, we're looking at financials, we're looking at projections, we're looking at IP.
0: Um,
1: we're just what, looking at the traction. When project. you say
0: financials, what are, you're, you're looking at products already selling, you're looking at validation. What, what stage are we talking about?
1: Yeah, they, always, they already have to be revenue-generating.
0: They already have to be revenue-generating. Okay, fair enough. And um, now one of the things in regular VC financing that is very strict is everybody is looking for very large TAMs, you know, like billion-dollar TAMs. To go from zero to 100 million in five to seven years, you have to work – you have to start with a billion-dollar-plus TAM. That is kind of the sweet spot of venture capital. Um, We have, of late, started seeing a class of VCs, micro-VCs, who are starting to think about um, the smaller TAM opportunities that are early exit, very capital-efficient deals that could sell within 18 to 24 months. We're seeing that as well. What is your uh, investment thesis vis-a-vis TAM?
1: Yeah, so I mean, we're not stuck on trying to find the largest TAMs. Uh, we're not a VC ourselves, but rather we're trying to uh, pick the right deals for uh, our investors to decide if they want to invest in them. So it's really up to the crowd and the investors to decide what they think about the deal. Uh, in regards to TAMs, obviously, we uh, want there to be opportunity for growth for the company, but no, these don't need to be billion dollar exits for these companies to, for these investors to make money.
0: Okay. Um, what do you consider as your biggest success out of Indiegogo? I mean, and how do you define that success?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I would just say that the biggest success is the ongoing um, existence of Indiegogo, the fact that it's now uh, 10 and a half years old. And still very durable and still very much used by the world uh just shows that it's having a lasting impact uh I could pick like you know one campaign or one product, but I think that's kind of silly uh yeah, it's kind so of I like. Agree. Which is why I asked you the
0: question of how do you define success? Because you know uh, I get asked this question about one million by one million, and I have kind of a similar answer. And it's that like, I'm just as proud of the companies that are doing, you know, five million, ten million in revenue over a five, seven-year period as I am of a company in our portfolio that has raised now 250 million dollars and, and has over 100 million dollars in revenue is a unicorn but we don't define success as chasing unicorns we define success as 1 million by 1 million we want a lot of companies to be able to get to a sustainable threshold and, and a, you know get past the early obstacles of getting a business going so so i think your your answer is exactly what what it should be in that it is facilitating a lot of um, entrepreneurs and a lot of projects become viable. Great. So what, um, what are your parting words before we conclude the interview?
1: My parting words is entrepreneurship is a wild ride. Uh, it's full of a lot of myths and things that hold people back uh, because people are nervous uh, to fail. I think that anyone should be willing to jump in. Often that uh, full-on failure is one of the greatest things you'll ever learn, uh, and there will be a positive outcome in the end. When that is, it's hard to see. Uh, But if anybody wants uh, to use Indiegogo or uh, have any help, they can feel free to reach out to me. Like I mentioned with my email, just my first name, slava at indiegogo.com. And, uh, you know, it's been great being on on the show.
0: All right. Thank you for coming.